you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. Today, I have just received our first prototype of our Back to Jerusalem uh, children's book. The very first one is called The Courage to Obey. It's a series of four. We have four right now. We are working on ten. Uh, but this is the first one to come out in a series of four. We hope to have this into the hands of those that dearly want it before Christmas so that this can be given to children um, that want to learn more about missions. It's a series called Tales from Fufu's Forest. It is a collection of missionary stories from the field that are true missionary stories that are so encouraging and they give children a completely different set of heroes to look for or look at to 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 read about and the these these first four books are i believe pretty phenomenal uh, Tales from Fufu's Forest are a collection of stories, true stories, that are told by fictional characters. So what you have is you have this little boy who lives in western China. And whenever he gets scared, whenever he gets lonely, when whenever he is he is feeling bad or down, he goes for a walk into the bamboo forest. And in the bamboo forest, he meets a collection of friends. Um, you have Fufu the panda. Uh, you have Fei the bird, you have Young the the um, Tibetan ox, and then you have Old Red, which is this animal that is found in Western China. It's kind of like a looks a little bit like a reddish raccoon. And these animals, basically, what they do is they bring in this little boy uh, during the times that he's feeling lonely or sad or or scared. And they encourage him by telling him stories about missionaries that are serving in the 1040 window. The very first one is this story about um, when, when the little boy. The little boy gets scared. Um, he goes out, you know, just or gets bored. And basically, um, he's he's like a typical Chinese child for farmers uh, with the one-child policy and from – uh, the moment that his parents leave, he, he runs out of things to do. So he goes out into the bamboo forest. He meets with Fufu the panda. They have this introduction. Fufu the panda sets him down for tea, which is very popular in Western China. And this little bird, Faye, comes in and she tells this amazing story about a uh, missionary who was called to Tibet. And it's a true story and a phenomenal story about a back to Jerusalem Chinese missionary who gives up her life, stops what she's doing, leaves her family and goes and preaches in Lhasa, Tibet. While in Lhasa, Tibet, she comes across a woman who has um, a skin disease that covers her entire body and got her kicked out of her village. 
and what happens next is absolutely phenomenal. And I think that it is very encouraging for kids. But the thing is, is that not only do these stories tell or these books tell amazing stories that have really never been told before about back to Jerusalem missionaries serving in the 1040 window or amazing stories for for instance uh one of the next ones that we have is a, about a little girl who was raised from the dead in Saudi Arabia um it's an amazing story about a woman who was kidnapped by pirates uh but chose to continue trusting in God and then in another amazing story about a Chinese missionary thrown in prison and raised um uh, or, or a, a ray of light shines on his body and heals him after he's been beaten in the prison. And it's it's a phenomenal collection of, of stories. But what is even more amazing is not only are your is your children being introduced to the stories that are taking place today on the mission field, but also you're going to be exposed to different cultures there's going to be this cross-cultural um exposure that will take place in each one of the books whether it's in the middle east whether it's in africa whether it's in uh asia your child there were the children that are that will be read these books or will be able to read these books will be able to be exposed to those different cultures in a, a, a really great way so not only is it these amazing stories to show the child that, you know what, God is not dead. The the miracles, the things that took place in the Bible are still taking place today. You know, there's a lot of great children's books out there that are about Bible stories, but a lot of those stories uh, that have been translated for children have kind of stopped, meaning that all that children get are these Bible stories. So after a while, you can go through the repetition, if you like, of the Bible stories. But the beauty about these stories here is that the, your your child or grandchild or nephew or niece can still see that God's power, healing power, miraculous rescuing power is still alive today. It didn't die. He, he's still active, not just in their life. So the, your child can see the Bible stories when God was active in the Bible, but also active today in these lives of these missionaries and will have a more real sense of he can still do this in my life as well. The, um, uh, each one of these stories also have, uh, Chinese words that are woven into the story itself that the child would not even recognize at first. For instance, the name of the panda is Fufu. The word Fu means to be uh, to bless. So Fufu is like blessing or double blessing. To, to, whenever you put two words together, it's kind of like you know a double emphasis. Like if you say Kwai Kwai, it means fast. Kwai is fast. It means fast, fast. That means faster. Um... If, if you say maman, that means slow, slowly, slower when you put two of them together. Um, the bird's name is fei, which means to fly. The goat's name is yang. Yang means goat in Chinese. And the boy's name is shan, which means mountain 
in Chinese. So as the boy or the girl, the child is reading these stories about Fu, Fufu, and Fei, and Yang, three of the characters of the book, together with Sean, they've already started to learn four different Chinese words. And we've even put the characters in the book so that your child can actually go through these amazing characters and they're in random order so that they can look at them and read Chinese characters. So it is possible for your child to learn uh, the beginning parts of the Chinese language just by having one of these children's books. These kind of children's books are amazing because it's not just a video game that is doing things for you. There, there is, there is this reading and excitement and adventure that's taking place, which is quite different than what we are seeing right now with the Chinese military. The Chinese military has a big problem at the moment. It seems that their biggest enemy is not North Korea or America or Japan. Their biggest enemy at the moment for the Chinese military is a game. A video game, a video game called Honor of Kings. Now, Honor of Kings is this video game that's kind of based on these these historical characters in Chinese history, and there, it's this fighting game that has the Chinese military absolutely addicted. Now, the 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 video games is quite big inside of China, which is amazing because basically. The ban their video games were banned in the early 2000s. Um, in 2011, Chinese PC game sector was worth six billion dollars, the largest in the world. Even though video consoles, video game consoles, had been banned in the country since the year 2000. So think about that for a minute. Since the year 2000, for 11 years, video game consoles were banned in China. The Chinese finally lifted the ban in 2015, but before they lifted the ban, it was the largest in the world, the largest video game market in the world, $6 billion. Right now, it is by far the largest in the world. China has been widely known as the game industry capital of the world, with the largest market in some of the world's largest video game companies. We have a, we have a family friend that, uh, their son is now, and, a, a young lady that is kind of like my goddaughter, um, her and her two children are, uh, together with her husband and their father, uh, inside of Western China working for a Chinese video company. And China domestically produces a number of games, including uh, games like Genesis of the Century uh, Trilogy. Um, They've done video games like um, Westward Journey, The Incorruptible Warrior, Crazy Mouse. These are large domestically made games with massively multiplayer online role-playing games, meaning that you can have multi-number of people from around the world engaging each other and playing games with one another. Internet cafes can be found all over China. Although China's growing economy has boosted the economic prospects of most Chinese in the last couple of decades, the cost of a personal computer and video game console or internet connection remains pretty high 
for most Chinese, meaning that they cannot, it's, it's not easy. Now, if you walk into a normal Chinese home, you'll find that they will buy a computer before they buy a TV. They will have internet before they have cable. I don't think I've ever met a Chinese person with cable in their, in their home. If they have any connection at all in their house, it's only the internet. And the reason why is because it gives their child a chance to have access to the internet as well as helps enhance their education. However, because so many homes do not yet have internet, internet cafes in China are huge. There are, if you go into an internet cafe, especially in Western China, you can have at least 50 different uh, desks with computers and they'd be completely full and the majority, the overwhelmingly, the overwhelming majority, it's not people coming in to check their emails. It's young people coming in to game for hours and the, for the price for them to play the game for hours is actually a quite low price. So many of the Chinese do it. And many of the young people who later go in to be a part of the Chinese military take those same addictions with them and so right now in the chinese military they allow the chinese to take their mobile phone with them and the mobile phone video gaming world is massive among the young people and that translates into much of the chinese military currently being addicted to one fantasy role-playing game which is this honor of kings it's gotten so big that People's Daily, which is a state-owned newspaper, described the game as a poison and a drug that was harming teenagers. People's Daily basically told the company, this Tencent, which is the company that's making these, these games, they basically said, don't commit evil. Kind of Google's um, you know, main mantra, don't, don't harm anyone. So they're saying, you know, do not, don't commit evil. It's better if we can have long-term rewards and not short-term profits. And so they basically um, convinced the company, Tansent, to put some sort of regulation. So what they've done, uh, Tansent has put a limit of one hour for players under the age of 12 and they will not be able to log into the game after 9, which is not a big deal. I mean, when the consoles were banned, these were a tangible item that were not supposed to be sold in China, but they were anyway. These consoles, when they were not supposed to be for sale, were being sold in China. They were being sold to the tune of about $6 billion, or $60 billion, or $600 billion. Um, the The... The gaming um, company itself, Tansit, lost 17.5 billion U.S. dollars in market value. 17.5 billion dollars in market value is what they lost after the People's Daily described its game as being poisoned. So the Chinese newspaper definitely had an impact. But if you can't stop a tangible item from being sold on the streets and becoming the largest market in the world, and then eventually finally having to cave in and allowing game consoles to be sold legally inside of China. If you couldn't stop that from happening, 
I doubt putting a one hour time limit on anyone that's under 12 years old and then trying to put a curfew at 9 p.m., no games after 9 p.m., that's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work is because a lot of these kids are super smart and they know how to create alternate profiles that will allow them to seem to be older with their online presence. The Chinese military however, is looking at a very big problem. They're seeing productivity in the army go down considerably because of the number of young people in the army that are addicted to this game. And the, the Chinese, for the Chinese to admit it means that it had to be a pretty darn big problem. And so now <laughs> it seems that if a military like Japan or America or North Korea wants to conquer the, the, the Chinese military, they really only have to do one thing. Create a very cool game and get the young people in China addicted to it. Right now, the Chinese gaming system is impacting all parts of the society. But I have not encountered it even once while working together with the Underground House Church. I'm sure it's there, but it's not a major part. So while the Chinese military is addicted to video games and can't get enough, the Back to Jerusalem missionaries are addicted to God's Word and are taking the gospel into the darkest, most unreached areas of all of China. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, my name is Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you. Mm-hmm.